Welcome to the Business Diaries podcast, where we uncover the stories that shaped the business owner. Brought to you by Lisa Settle and Isla O'Hara. Welcome to the Business Diaries podcast. My name is Lisa Settle. And my name is Isla O'Hara. And we'll be your hosts for today. The Business Diaries is a storytelling platform for businessmen and women to share their stories, the ups and the downs of the entrepreneur. We get to know the person behind the business and we hear about their successes and their lessons learned. Today, we're visiting a topic that we haven't really discussed on the podcast before, but I'd say it's probably likely that some of us have experienced it at some stage. Our guest is sharing a story to do with bullying, bullying in the workplace, to be precise. So, Isla, who's our guest today? Thank you, Lisa. It gives me great pleasure to announce Jay Sahota to the Business Diaries. Welcome, Jay. Thank you very much. Great to have you, Jay. Before we start, let me tell you a little bit about Jay. Jay is the senior partner of Jarman Solicitors. He read law at Cambridge and trained with Allen and Overy before spending several years at city firms as a commercial litigation lawyer. He has acted for the likes of Ryanair and Tesco's, and his largest case was a £3.5 billion fraud case for an international bank across 14 jurisdictions. Jay's motto at Jarman's is that we have an exceptional team providing exceptional client care, practicing the three H's, honest, humble, and hungry. Jay's family, his daughter Nanaki is 13, and his son Barney, age nine, are his oxygen and soul, and his faith and diligence are very important to him. He enjoys conjuring in his spare time. So I think without further ado, I'm going to hand over the airwaves to you, Jay, to hear your story. Thank you very much, Ida. I really appreciate it. I should have mentioned my wife in the bio as well, shouldn't I, Risa? Apologies to my wife if she's listening. She is a goddess and um, she helps me with everything I do, as do my children and my and my gods. They're very important to me. Um, thank you very much for the opportunity, first of all. It's really good to be speaking to um, both of you and, and everybody who's listening. Um, and this is, obviously, it's a very personal story. It's about bullying that happened to me some years ago in 2006. And when I was thinking about preparing for the podcast, obviously, it's quite difficult to relive these sorts of emotions, stories, experiences, because they affect you for a long time. And you sort of push them into the recesses of your mind and you think you're not going to have to relive them again. But actually, I think it's helpful to do so sometimes because it shows you what you've been through, how far you've come, the learnings you've had um, and how it informs what you do in later life. So I think actually it's important to go through these things and look at them again and turn them around and view them from different perspectives, which is what I'm hopefully going to do today. So if you can cast your mind back to what you were doing in 2006, um, I had just... um, Qualified, well, I qualified as a solicitor in 2005, working all the hours that God sends, you know, very stressful environment. Um, and I was in a US law firm. I won't mention the name just in case, but I was in a, working in a US law firm with its um, one of its bases in London, um, working very long hours. This is where I did this three and a half billion pound fraud case that I mentioned. So really good fun, really enjoying it, um, working for a number of partners, um, all of whom were very complimentary about I me mean, not being hopefully arrogant when I say that, but doing some really good work for them, loving loving my work, really loving my work, not seeing much of my wife. I was just married at the time as well. Um, so we got married in 2005. So I, I typically work seven in the morning till about midnight, sometimes two o'clock in the morning, three o'clock in the morning, those sorts of hours. So I didn't see very much of my wife at all. Um, 
And I suppose that sort of sacrifice makes what happened to me all the more stark, really, because it's you expect sort of give and, give and get, really. Um, you know, you, you give to your employer and you expect back. And that, that didn't really happen in this situation. But anyway, working very hard, um, was doing well for all intents and purposes. And then I was put to work with a particular female partner. Again, I won't mention the name. Um, and we worked very well for a while, actually. Um, you know, really complimentary, doing really good work. So I'm, I, and this is the question that still goes round in my head. I'm not quite sure what happened. And I think that's probably the case with a lot of people who've been bullied. They're not quite sure why that situation arose in the first place. And I'm still not sure. I'd love to meet her again one day and say, why did you do this to me? Because it affected me for a long time. So that question still goes round in my head. Um, so working very well with, uh, for, for this female partner. And then suddenly things changed. Um, my granddad passed away in 2006, very harrowing time. I was very close to my granddad. And um, I still remember getting the news on the phone at work. And then um, I went to see the HR person. He said, that's fine, just um, just go home, leave for the day. So we were in mourning as a family, basically. Um, and the next day, we were due to have a marketing meeting with this female partner at work. And um, I um, went to see her, but just a matter of courtesy, obviously expecting no other response than absolutely is fine, Jay, don't worry about it. Um, and I went to her and I said, um, look, my, as you know, my granddad passed away yesterday. Uh, do you mind if I obviously missed the marketing meeting because we, you know, we're in mourning, we've got people coming around to pay their respects, et cetera. And, and I will use the expletives. I think it's important. So apologies to those who are listening. So I said to her, do you mind if I, I leave early to, to deal with these family matters? And she said, um, I don't give a fuck about your granddad. Um, which, sorry, I'm getting emotional when I say it now, really. And just hearing those words, you, want, you kind of go into a parallel universe. And you think, hang on, did I just hear that? What, what, what just happened? Um, so I, 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 I didn't quite know what to say. It's almost as though the ground swallowed me up at that point in time. It was a very bizarre feeling. Um, and I just, I, I think I, I sort of stumbled my way out of the room, basically. So I wasn't quite sure what to say. Um, and I mean, I did, I think eventually she said, okay, fine or whatever, basically. Um, so I did actually um, um, leave work at the, the normal time that day. And we, we did then have our morning and people coming around and paying their respects, et cetera. It was only the day after my granddad had passed away, let's remember. Um, so that was all of a bit of haze. And I remember the next day, and again, please forgive me because parts of this, I think I blotted out because it was so painful at the time. Um, and the next day I um, went into her room and I said, look, Melanie, can I, can I please talk about what happened yesterday? Um, expecting her to say, um, yes, of course, I'm really sorry. I didn't mean to say that, Jay, you know, um, apologies, condolences. Not, I haven't had any condolences from anybody there at all, by the way. Um, and I said, can we talk about what happened yesterday? And her response was, no, not really. And I mean, that, that almost made it worse because any normal human being would reflect on what they'd done and then make amends. But this, um, in effect, it exacerbated what had happened the day before. And again, I think I've almost blotted out the rest of the conversation because it's it's probably it's quite painful. So I actually don't remember what happened to the rest of the conversation, but I remember that she was obfuscatory and um, divertory and didn't want to talk to me. And um, and again, I just felt really hollow and empty inside. I didn't quite know what to make of it, really. But I did go to the other partners in the firm and they they did, to give them their dues, they did deal with it. Um, in the way that they could, I suppose, at the time. And I remember they took a witness statement from her and spoke to her, but she denied everything that had happened. Um, and actually, she got a promotion a few <laughs> a few months after all this happening, which was the nail in the coffin for me, really. But I'll come on to that in a minute. Um, from, from that moment, really, it got worse with her because, as I said, I'd worked very well with her on, on numerous cases. 
Um, and then suddenly after this incident, it's almost as though she thought, how dare Jay talk to me like this, even though I'd, I'd done nothing wrong. Um, again, that's probably the psyche of a bully, isn't it? Trying to project and put everything onto you. Um, and it took me a while to realise she was a bully. For a while, I blamed myself and thought it was my fault and my problem, which obviously it wasn't. Um, so it's taken me a good, it took me a good 10 years to get over it, actually. But from that point, um, everything changed. So I was excluded from her cases, from her team. She gave me a bad testimonial, a bad review um, when they were doing my supervisions. Um, and I just felt very empty and very hollow at the way it'd been dealt with. Um, and I ended up resigning from that firm and leaving that firm a couple of months late, later, unsurprisingly. Um, I had anger issues for a long time. I, I didn't trust anybody for a long time. Um, so it was a really hard time. And as I said, it took me a long time to get over it, t- a good 10 years. Um, finally resolved with um, help from my really good friend, Lady Michaela Bush. Look her up. Great therapist. I had therapy and um, CBD and hypnotherapy, and she was wonderful. But there is light at the end of the tunnel because I always say everything happens for a reason. And I, I really think it does because even at that time, I was thinking, well, I don't really want anybody telling me what to do anymore because this situation and experience was so painful. Um, so that planted a bit of a seed, actually. And even though all this had happened, and I should mention it as well, that I think part of it might, and I'm the last person to play the race card, believe me, I think we live in a wonderful country. I love my country and I really don't think we're a racist country at all. But a few people said to me, is it, might it be racist? And I said, no, it can't be. But actually the other people who were bullied by her were a black paralegal and a Chinese trainee. Um, so it did get me thinking. I'm not saying it was definitely racist, but it's, you know, starts your mind thinking, doesn't it really? Um, but as I was saying, um, everything happens for a reason and it planted that seed. And then it's almost as though the moves I had in my law firms after that, I was looking for the right solution. Um, so after that firm, um, I then moved to, um, a, uh, firm, another firm in the city actually. Um, and, even then I was, I had a promotion each time I moved. So there I was then um, head of department um, and was, was doing different things. But again, that, that thought at the back of my mind was thinking, I'm not quite happy doing this. Is there something more to life? Do I want to be doing something else? Um, and then eventually when I landed at um, uh, Pittman's, which was a wonderful law firm to work for in Reading, I had a, the most wonderful boss. I hope she's listening, Sue O'Brien, um, who I still regard as my mentor, my inspiration. I mean, she was the most wonderful boss I've worked for, the most fantastic lawyer. Um, she's still a friend. And she said to me, Jay, you're never going to be happy until you're doing this for yourself. Um, and then I realised that those moves that I'd had were probably um, because of what she said. It's almost as though she knew me better than I knew myself. Um, so even that bullying had sort of propelled me on the route to looking for other moves probably because there was something at the back of my mind telling me that I, I needed to do something for myself. And then Sue cemented it and crystallised it by saying to me, well, why don't you eventually try and do this yourself? Um, even though that probably was not the best thing for her, but she wanted me to stay at the firm for a while. So that then really set my mind thinking, actually, I do want to do this for myself. Probably I, I want to be my own boss. Um, and when I left Pittman's, um, again, I um, every step I took was almost an onward progression. Um, so eventually I set up my own um, litig- boutique litigation firm with a couple of partners. Um, and then in July 17, I um, took over Jarman's. So Jarman's is um, um, a very old law firm coming up to 150 years old. Um, I took um, Jarman's over in July 17. We went from nine staff to now, I think we're third, excuse me, 38 and have grown and improved the firm. And I really enjoyed that process. And I love interacting with the staff. I love running the firm. I love my staff. And again, I would never treat anybody as I've been treated 
in that horrible way. I mean, um, I, I like to treat my staff with um, humility and respect, really. We've got three H's at Jarman's, as Isla mentioned, honest, humble and hungry. Um, and I retain and recruit on those and we implement those and um, abide by them every day. And, um, you know, we're a good team, great team. I love my team um, and we get on very well and um, we enjoy what we're doing. So I think the moral of the story is there's light at the end of the tunnel. Horrible things happen. It's important to view them now and again to inform what we have done and why we've done it and how we've improved as an individual. Um, and um, it's led to my running the firm now, Jarman's, which um, I'm, I love doing. I absolutely love doing. Um, so it, it set that in motion, really. So even though it was traumatic, um, it, it started the train of good things happening to me, I suppose. And it also reminds me that you don't know what you want until you know what you don't want. A bit of a mouthful, but I'll say it again. You don't know what you want until you know what you don't want. In other words, you've almost got to have been through some situations to realise that you don't want to be in them again and you inform your decisions to make sure that you're in the right situation for you um, by making other choices effectively. So you've got to have gone through some situations and, and experiences to know what you really want to do in life, which is what I'm doing now and I'm loving it, basically. Brilliant. Brilliant. Thank you, Jay, for sharing your story. And I, I quite agree with you. You, you. I think that we all go through that, don't we? You, you sort of, it's almost like trying to find your way. If you don't know what you want to do when you leave school, it's sort of try something. And then, you know, if it's not right, you tick it off and, okay, so I know I don't like that. Let's go and find something that I do. And, exactly. and you get there. So it's a, yeah, it's a good motto to live by. Yeah, thank you for sharing the story. I mean, honestly, I can't imagine that any of us would ever be prepared for such a cold and unkind comment that came your way that day that you asked to leave early. Um, you must have been completely shocked, as yes, you I were. Um, you know, in, in this day and age, you just wouldn't get away with that, would, would you? I mean, it's, it's. I don't know, you, you must have known at the time it wasn't right, and, and I, I suppose you did, but, the, I mean, the shock must have lingered for quite a few days yeah it was it was a it, yeah a few things that you mentioned done um, very good points Lisa that it was the shock so it took me a while to process it and it's weird because I went through a phase and I was talking to my wife about it at the time thinking did I make it up did I did was I lying actually did that happen mm. to me couldn't have she couldn't have said that I must have made up the fact that she said that at all and my wife well, you said, no, question you, yourself don't you, you do you, you, and I did yeah. I, I questioned myself and I blamed myself for a long time I, think I must have done something which which precipitated the position she must have um, being annoyed with me for some particular reason but no she did say that but I, and I I'm not making excuses for it at all I mean it was disgusting and horrible and unforgivable but that sort of culture was not prevalent but it was more acceptable in city law firms at the time mm. um, and you you're right you probably would not get away with that now I mean it's not the only experience I've had in city law firms in my career I've had other experiences nothing like that at all but you know unpleasant um, experiences um not not bullying as such, but things that have happened to me, which would not happen now. They simply would not get away with them now, um, which is a good thing. Um, and I think it's great that mental health is being recognised and that working hours are, are being addressed and that people aren't put in that horrible situation. I know the SRA, the Solicitor's Regulation Authority, are now starting to look at working culture, um, yeah. which is important. But the, the fear there, it goes too far the other way. And then you become very dogmatic about you must have this in place. You must do this with this person. You must have this. Yeah, and that's, I mean, that's something that Isla and I were, were talking, actually, yeah. weren't we, Isla? Yeah. We were saying, yeah, you know, we has it gone too far? Yeah, yeah, and I think to some extent, 
again, I'm not saying that all the work that been, that's been done isn't good work. It is. It's all fantastic mental health and <clears throat> recognising work-life balance, etc. But the problem when you become dogmatic about it and prescriptive is that too many people try to fall into the categories too readily, if that makes sense. And they say, well, I've got mental health and actually I've been bullied and I don't like this and I don't like that. Um, and you can pander to too many people too readily if you're not careful. Mm. But it's, it's difficult to kind of figure out where that line is, isn't it? I mean, I've heard conversations about, well, it was just banter in the office. Yes. And obviously that's very specific to different, um, you know, dif- different in- industries as well. Yeah. Um, and that must be really hard to deal with. And, you know, for the HR people trying to write some guidelines or guidance, as well as the people to know when, you know, where is the line? How do you know when you've stepped across the line? Is it in terms of the way that it makes you feel? Mm. Well, it's hard. It's really hard. I mean, I'll give you an example of that, actually, Isla. Um, in, the, in the past week, three of my employees have very nicely said to me, you're the best boss we've ever had, which is lovely. I mean, it's so lovely. But I've had a few employees who've left in the past saying, God, he was really harsh. Um, yeah. And I try to treat all my, I mean, you ask any of them now, hopefully they'll say, I, I try to treat them all with respect and equally and fairly and reasonably. Um, but you sometimes feel it's a slightly different point. It's, it's about me being the boss. But you sometimes feel as though you can't win. Basically, you, you can't do right for doing wrong. So to yeah. answer your question, I think Isla, I think as yeah. long as you are genuinely trying to be fair and reasonable and even with people all the time, hopefully you can't go too far wrong. But the minute you start being too prescriptive about it, I think you, it almost becomes that you're, you're looking at the objective and not really your actions as you go along. You know, you're trying to tick boxes rather than assess yeah. your behaviour on a yeah. continual basis, which I think is really important. Yeah, and you, and, and that, that happens in all sorts of areas, doesn't it? Yeah. As soon as it becomes yeah. the, the topic of the moment, it, it does become a bit of a tick boxing exercise. And exactly. Yeah, um, box ticking, in fact, not tick yeah. boxing. Tick boxing, that's a good word. <laughs> <laughs> word. <laughs> Sounds like an aerobic exercise. It does. Um, <laughs> Um, I mentioned in uh, introducing the podcast that it's likely that some of us uh, may have experienced bullying in the workplace. And then I went on to read somewhere that the figures are one in four of us. Mm. So do you see cases relating to this at work? Do you know what? We've seen an increase, actually, because we do do a bit of employment law. And um, speaking to my employment colleagues the other day, actually, before I was about to do this, they have seen an increase. So um there's more bullying in the workplace there's more there, there, there seems to be more discrimination um where people are um mistreated because of specific characteristics or maternity leave or you know race or um special circumstances that should be applied to them but aren't for example mm-hmm. um so i think there is more of it going on i do think there's more of it going on but again i'm not sure in every case whether it's don't quote me for saying this I shouldn't be saying it live on air already but I, I'm not sure in every case whether it's the fault of the employer or the employee some of the cases you read and you think well actually mm. I don't think this employee has been mistreated and they're they're playing the card and, and trying to go through the tribunal to make a point um mm. so it's I think it's a combination of one I think it is a, it is a um a problem at work um has it got worse I don't know whether it's got worse or whether the publicity surrounding it has become more prevalent so that it seems worse um and I'm not sure whether a lot of people for want of a better word ham it up because they know that so many people are talking about it they they're likely to be taken more seriously even if they don't have a legitimate case Yeah. yeah do you think generations play um 
a factor in this. Do you think, for example, you know, graduates entering the workplace, do they have different expectations from, say, people who've been in the workplace longer? I'm, I'm thinking, one, in terms of expectations, and two, as, as we get older, we manage situations at work better because yes. we have more experience in dealing with what is happening to us. Yes. Do you think that's, how much of a factor do you think that that's playing? I think it's a huge factor, actually, Isla. I, I use the word resilience. Mm. Um, because I was brought up to be resilient. I mean, my, my granddad came over in the 50s from Punjab in India, um, you know, worked intolerably hard. I mean, horrible conditions, working all the hours that God sends, didn't bring his family over, um, our family over straight away. They were in India for, for a couple of years while he um, worked, you know, really hard here to able to afford to, to call them over, um, you know, experiencing racism at the time, horrible conditions, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, and that actually taught me resilience because that that feeds through the generations and the family um so I've I think not only in my nature have I always been quite resilient but these the sort of experience I talked about today it makes you more resilient you see life and you know what people are like and situations are like and you you have bad situations you get over them you you know fall over you dust yourself off and get up again and get on with it basically Mm. that doesn't Mm. seem to be the mentality of some of the youngsters I'm not saying all of them I've got some wonderful young people truly wonderful young people working for me at Jarman, some of my best staff are some of the youngest staff. So it's not everybody, but some of them, if they've not had the life experience, they've not had the grounding, the teaching, then they seem not to have that resilience. I mean, I had um, uh, an employee recently who I, I mean, I won't go into huge detail um, just in case, but you could tell that it wasn't about keeping the employer happy or, or, or giving to the employer. It was about what was going to make her happy and what she wanted out of the job and what her expectations were. Um, and whether it affected her mental health. And actually, she didn't like doing this particular task because it was too difficult or um, she'd suddenly find it stressful and therefore she thought it was acceptable not to do it. Um, so there's been that, oh, yeah. I think there's been in some instances a shift from employer to employee power, I if that makes sense. I agree. Um, I totally agree yeah. with you. Um, which, I, I, which I don't think is necessarily a good thing. Again, I'm not saying we should mistreat employees, please. I'm not saying that at all. I think we we have to treat people properly all the time. But um, I think some people are um, not using the system, but I think people are by their nature quite different and they know how to play the game, unfortunately. Mm. But I also think it's, it's um, I've not had any bad experiences with employees at all. So I, I count myself really, really lucky. Mm. But I have to say that I do think, you know, as we say, it's a, a buyer's market when you're talking about the, the property yeah. Um, industry. It, yeah. I, I do feel as it's just after lockdown, it's switched to an employee market, not yes. an employer's market. And I think that that's probably because of the, the, the flexibility that's come about because of lockdown and the, and the pandemic. Um, we're more aware of what we can do and what we would like to do. And I think that staff are more in tune now with the fact that happiness does not come from your paycheck yes and there are lots of other things that come around you know to build up a happy day in the office or a happy day at work and and so they're looking for other things that you know the the whole company culture and the benefits it's gone mad because you're kind of fighting and saying no no pick me pick me I can I'll give you a day off if, if you know if your child's not well or you know these sort of things and um it's interesting. It's interesting. It's I'm not, really I don't know whether it's right or wrong, but it's very interesting. Yeah. And I quite like the challenge. I quite like the shift 
because I think a shift every now and again is quite good for us all anyway. Yeah, um, I agree with you. Yeah, I think culture is all important. Um, and I think it's a good thing, even I, during lockdown experiences, because I was pre-lockdown I was um, working ridiculous hours in the office and not seeing my family because I was doing so many physical meetings we had this point the other day Lisa we discussed it um whereas virtual stuff saved so much time that I was actually able to see my family um you know for the first time properly in many many years and spent time with my kids in the evenings which is I mean enrich my life immeasurably I mentioned they're they're my oxygen they really are my wife too of course she's wonderful um but if, if we as employers have recognised that, then surely, as you say, employees are recognising that too. There's more to life, work-life balance, mental health, um, seeing their kids, you know, taking the dog out for a walk at lunchtime and being able to work remotely when they want to, et cetera, et cetera. Having said that, the corollary is that, um, for example, me as a boss, I've been very, hopefully, very good to my staff and allowed them to be really flexible. I've not said, you must come into the office at this particular time, on this particular day, you're all coming back into the office on this day. I've not done that at all. I've let people work pretty much where they want to, where they feel happy and comfortable. And mm. I, as an employer, would expect, I don't mean in a supercilious sort of way, but I would expect some give and take in the sense that if you've been good to your employees in that way, surely they should then be good to you back, really, and actually work work just as hard and work even harder and pull out all the stops and be equally respectful. And um, I have to say in the vast majority of cases, I've found that, but um, it doesn't, it doesn't happen all the time with all employers and employees. And I I find that quite sad actually, because you, you know, you work really hard to, I don't mean me, my firm, but other people I speak to, they say, well, we've been really flexible with our staff, but they've turned around and resigned or or stabbed me in the back. Um, So you do get that relationship breaking down sometimes. So again, as I said, sometimes as much as you do, people have their own foibles and weaknesses and drives and juices, don't they, really? And we, we mm, it, it's mm. difficult to dance around those all the time, really. You can't get on with everyone, can you? No, no. And nor can you keep everybody happy. No, exactly, exactly. Um, just a, a quick question before we move on. Mm. Bullying's obviously, a, you know, a, a very unkind and um, harmful uh, thing to, to, to receive. But... Um, you know, that behaviour's got to take its toll. Did, did that impact on you at all as, you know, with your well-being? Yes, it did, in, in short, massively. I, I didn't make the link at the time, really, Lisa. Um, I became, and it's weird, I only look back recently and realise why it happened. It's odd, isn't it, how these things play out, mm. really? Um, mm. You should have laid well, you said couch. you said it's important, didn't you? you said it's exactly, important but I should, I should have been laid on a couch while I was doing this, really. <laughs> be psychoanalyzing me but uh it, um it's good again it's cathartic, cathartic and therapeutic i became very very angry for a while um and i couldn't work out why and it i think it was because this happened at the time i wanted to not blame people but i just it was that reaction to this happening to me why did it happen to me and how dare she and is everybody bad and you know people must be inherently bad and i don't trust anybody and so that anger that lack of trust stayed with me for a long time and I think that lack of trust is still with me actually the anger isn't um but I think that lack of trust and always being ultra cautious of people is still with me to some extent because if you look at my relationship with that um bully we'd had a wonderful working relationship or so I thought until that moment then it suddenly changed Mm. um and I realized then do you really know do you ever really know what people are like so I'm, I'm I'm a bit more cautious about people than I used to be um yes it did affect my mental health as I say I was very angry stompy um um not in great mental health for a while I put on weight actually after it happened because I was obviously comfort eating 
Um, so my weight, um, I'm much slimmer than I used to be, by the way. I used to be, I used to be 20, nearly 22 stone. I'm now about 12 and a half. So I'm um, not doing badly. Um, well so, um, <laughs> so I think it, no, thank you. So I think, I think it did contribute to not only bad mental health, but bad physical health. And obviously they mm. interplay, don't they? And they yes, react to each yeah. other. Yeah. Um, and, um, it took me a long time to get over it. I, as I say, it wasn't really until I had that therapy, probably about seven years ago now, um, seven, eight years ago, that I really properly got through it and passed it and, and put it behind me. Really. Mm. I want to just, I want to just sorry. jump in. Isla, in there can because... I just ask one, sorry, just one thing and then I'll, I'll shut up. <laughs> Jay, have you, have you forgiven her? No, I don't think I have actually. No, I don't think I have. Um, it's odd because I'm very religious and, um, you know, I'm Sikh and part of our faith is about forgiveness. Um, but not forgiveness for the sake of forgiveness. Mm. Um, you know, if somebody... Well, I think really... of it for you. You know, you know, if you if, if you say, look, I forgive you, you were the one, <laughs> you were the one that caused this situation. Mm. Um, and, you know, but I don't know what your reasons were. I mean, even, I'm not suggesting you should go and say it to her, but if you say it, to yourself, mm. you know, you were the one that caused this. I don't know what caused, I don't know what that trigger point was, what the hell you were thinking, why you spoke to me like that, considering we'd got on so well in the past. Um, but there must have been a reason that day, and I'll probably never know what it is, but I forgive you. You know, it's if, really weird. Probably get into a big kind of um uh philosophical and religious discussion, <laughs> um, ecclesiastical, but um I'm 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 not sure it would be right to forgive her. I know that sounds really. I don't mean it's that. It's interesting. Sounds, no, I don't, I don't mean that to sound facetious. Actually, I I don't think that one should forgive for the sake of forgiving. Um, because actually, I don't think that sort of person should be forgiven for being fundamentally flawed. I mean, if it was a spur of the moment thing, I probably could have said, you know, what, I do forgive you, and I and I can see why it happened in the moment. Mm. A, I don't know why it happened. Well, if she'd um, given you the chance to talk about it the next day when you asked, you know, that, that exactly, could have been exactly, dealt exactly. with there and then. Quite. Um, I, a, I don't know why it happened. B, there was no remorse. You know, I think it's easier to forgive somebody if there's remorse after the event mm. or they make amends. Mm. She was promoted after the event and actually denied all knowledge of it. I, I forgot to mention that. She denied all knowledge of even speaking to me about my granddad um, or about the meeting. So in those circumstances, actually, no, I don't think I do forgive her, unfortunately. Mm. Um, and I, you know... Um, I, I know I, I was going to say I wish her all the best I don't actually <laughs> I hope that she rots in hell quite frankly but um, <laughs> um, so no I don't forgive her sorry um, probably not what you wanted to hear but um... no it was no it was just an interesting <laughs> thought really that was yeah. all uh, sorry Isla I, I rudely interrupted you sorry no um, not at all because my my point was along was along similar lines so we've carried the conversation through um, my point was Firstly, Jay, thank you for being so open and honest about how it did make you feel no, um, and for describing to us and, you know, the impact that it feels and kind of brought memories back for me, really. And, and your point about, you know, if you met if you met her again, what would you mm. say? Mm. Because I was very badly bullied in the very early stages of my PR career when I was, you know, just starting out. I was young. I was learning. Mm. Um and it really dented my confidence because it made me question absolutely everything to the yeah, point to of paranoia. Yeah. Um, and, and I did meet her again about 
it was probably a good 10 to 15 years later when I'd obviously gone through the ranks and I was, you know, really then quite high up in my mm. career. And um, so I sort of looked back at her and, and, and I did speak to her about it mm. and, uh, and asked her. And she, she, she didn't give me a satisfactory answer. But, the, but having said that, I wasn't sure what I expected, to be honest, because yeah. what happened, happened. Yes. Um, you know, and she, I, I didn't get an apology. Mm. Um, was so I she aware understand. of it, Isla? Yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, it, it was. To it didn't come as yeah. a shock. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And it wasn't. Yeah. It wasn't um, instant like Jay's was. I mean, Jay's was so shocking for the for the fact, you know, of, of that completely unexpected response at a time when you're at your emotional lowest. Mm. You know, mine was prolonged. It was sustained over, you know, good. I mean, it felt like years, but I'm sure it was, wasn't because I went and spoke to the other people in the company. Mm. So I think I'm going to jump forward a question, but I, I appreciate we can come back again. But mm. I think having had this, Jay, and your honest account of how it happened to you and the therapy that you went through and everything that you did to rebuild yourself and to look after yourself um, and sort of what would your top tips be to somebody who is listening to this right now and thinking, do you know what? I'm in a situation at work. This is intolerable. Uh, you know, what should I do? Good, really good question, actually. Uh, I will put it in context first, because I think what I would have done at the time, given the way that these situations were, were viewed in the prism of a city law firm at the time, is very different from how it would be viewed now, actually. Mm. Um, so I, I didn't feel at the time as though I had that support network around me. I did with my wife and my family. I definitely did. Um, but I don't feel at the time I had the support network around me at work, because even the partners I complained to in the end clearly didn't do, do very much about it, but she was promoted. Um, but now I know it's very different. So what you should do straight away is that this is probably a bit of a legalistic answer, really. But I would, while you remember it, make a thorough note of what's happened to you. I think that's really important. Make a yeah. note of yeah. um, a contemporaneous note, not days after the event, but a contemporaneous note of what's happened, who said what, why they've said it. Um, exactly word by word, as far as you can remember it, as you would writing a witness statement, basically. Yeah. Um, and then sit down and process and... Um, think to yourself right is this a true, true reflection and recollection of what's happened um try and rationalize it in your own brain I don't mean rationalize it in terms of excusing the behavior but I think right what's going on with that person at the time um have I taken the comment out of context is it just me being silly for example did I miss here um in other words don't jump to conclusions but don't not jump to conclusions if that makes sense so try and try and look at it very objectively maybe ask other people what they think about it um and say you know go home to your wife or partner or whatever and say somebody said this at work what do you think and if they say oh, it was just a joke don't be, don't be silly you're overreacting then obviously you can form your own opinion in your view of it but if you yes, yes. if other people agree that it's unreasonable and it shouldn't have happened and again it depends on whether it's one incident or a series but let's say it's one thing leading to others at the moment um then you've spoken to others and it's unreasonable then you've got to raise it with the formal um people in your workplace and go through the appropriate channels so I would then um probably not go to the person directly because that contained things that happened later I mean I, I don't know whether I did the right thing by going back to this buddy the next day and saying can we talk about it because in my mind it made it worse actually because there was no forgiveness or remorse or you know going back on it at all really um so and I know that there are um, systems and mechanisms in place in in most firms now particularly in law firms and professional firms for you and go to, for you to go and speak to the right person so you'll, you'll probably have a buddy at work or a mentor um 
or your boss or HR. So I would go and speak to somebody on a confidential basis and they are duty bound then um, to take the matter forward. The fear with people is that if they raise a grievance or a complaint, grievance is a strong word, so let's say complaint at the moment, grievance has its own legal ramifications. Yeah. Um, if you raise a complaint about somebody, that, that the employee is going to be blacklisted. Um, so it might be worth speaking to somebody informally at work in the first place, somebody you're close to and saying, look, I've got this problem. How do I deal with it? Um, instead of going straight to HR, because once you've gone to HR, sometimes, as you well know, because you've, yeah. um, you, you both run companies and you've worked with HR in the past, they sometimes all run straight back to the boss and tell them what's happened. And, you know, yeah. it taints the whole thing. Um, so I would probably raise it with a friend or a colleague um, or a mentor at work first, informally, take their view on how to deal with it. And, if you're sufficiently aggrieved by it and it's affected you, then you you must then go through the appropriate channels and raise it with HR and, and take it from there. Don't hide the issue. Don't pretend it's going to go away because usually it doesn't. Um, and if you require assistance and support outside of work, speak to your family and friends. And I didn't for many years because I saw it as a sign of weakness. Then get therapy, get outside help. Um, and I thought, I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to do that because, A, it's my fault which is what I thought at the time, I don't know. Um, and B, it's not going to help, but it did. It helped tremendously, actually. Um, and I know there are advice lines for employees in most um, contexts these days. So mm. you can phone ACAS, you can, you know, mm. um, and maybe that your work offers a, a confidential employee helpline. So speak to those sorts of people as well um, and get external advice. Don't ask too many people, as people sometimes go wrong by going to X, Y and Z and not knowing what to do because they get themselves in a in a complete befuddlement um but it's worth speaking to people and getting an objective view and an emotional view and then if necessary going through the appropriate channels mm, that's great advice thank you yeah sure. don't keep it to yourself exactly so jay what what's happening with you at the moment are you working in one particular area do you've got do you have um events coming up or is there anything you want to share with us or um is it business as usual? <laughs> Great, exciting. Uh, it's busy, so it's business as usual. Where um, uh, in terms of hybrid working, um, we have probably about half of us in the office. Um, it's a Thursday today, Thursday morning, and half of us are in the office. Um, of the other half, I'd say half are working hybrid, kind of remotely at the moment, and half are working the other half, I mean, so a quarter, um, are working exclusively at home. And that seems to be working quite well, actually. So we're busy. Um, got a great team of staff. Um, I, obviously, I'm a litigator, um, so litigation is quite busy at the moment. People falling out um, over all sorts of things, um, dealing with a lot of contentious probate, for example, employment. Now that I mention it, you asked me earlier, Lisa. Mm. Um, company shareholder disputes. Um, you know, we're really in a pattern at the moment of people falling out. People are all over the place. Ukraine, recession, COVID, Brexit, illness at home, families, work, life juggling. Prices going up, gas prices, petrol, etc. People don't know whether they're coming or going, and they tend to take it out on other people, and and you know want and need some gratification from it, really, mm, and also mm. trying to trying to sue other people to get money where you know people some some many people aren't as well off because of the last couple of years. So um, yeah, and, and lots of people. Are, um, sorry, interrupt you, Lisa. No, I was going to say it's been a bit of a tough time all around. It's a tough time. It? It's a tough time, but again, it's it's um, fermented lots of people's decisions to. Um, maybe leave a partnership or a um, directorship of a company and start their own business and do something new or leave a relationship, yeah. which has been yeah. good for them. Yes. Um, so it, it's crystallised in a lot of people's minds what the right thing to do for them is really. And I suppose that comes back to what we discussed today, really. So it's it's not all bad news. I mean, it's um, 
I suppose we're busy because people are doing stuff again. There's energy back in the market. Um, people are confident about making decisions and doing stuff again, at least until bloody Putin came along. Excuse my friend. Yeah, um, yeah. There's other words I can think of as well for him. But um, <laughs> it's uh, no, it, it's business as usual. It's busy. It's good. But let's hope that the wheels don't come off the economy again with what's going on in the outside world. I hope not. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Yes, you're 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 absolutely right. So, how could people get in touch with you, Jay? Thank you. That's um, very kind. Um, the best way is to, I'm, I'm a demon on emails. Um, anybody, anybody will tell you, I, I, I've got a competition with one of my accountant friends at the moment, which is I always time how long you take to respond an e- to an email because I'm very fast on email. So email is the best way for me. <laughs> um, uh, my reception are great as well. So uh, either, either um, on the phone, so 01795 um, so 01795472291, or my email, which is letter J, dot sahota at jarmans with an s um hyphen solicitors with an s dot co dot uk um or look on our website if you can't get hold of me but um and i'm on linkedin i'm uh, um very active on linkedin as well so email phone linkedin um web page um contactable in lots of different ways and um as i said i'm very quick to respond to to things so uh yeah that's excellent excellent thanks very much jay um Sadly, we've run out of time again. That's quick, um, wasn't it? It was quick, yeah. <laughs> so time to wrap up another podcast. Jay, thanks for joining us. I, I know that you're busy. So it no, was it you. was it was good to have you and an important message shared, really. So we're grateful for that. Um, I want to ask you, Isla, what, what are you taking away from today's discussion? I think my key takeaway is to not if you think that you're in a position in a situation or a position at work um, where you feel you may be bullying is to speak to somebody and, and to take on board um, Jay's really helpful points. You know, don't go into that spiral of self-analyzing, self-questioning, excuse me, that sort of self-destructive um, mm. because it's probably it could well be nothing to do with you. So I think my takeaway is, yes, reach out and, and get some help, get some advice. Yeah, and I mean, the very best of it could be that someone doesn't even realise that they're upsetting you, that, you know, yeah. it could it could be a very easily sorted out situation. So do speak up. Um, yeah, absolutely. Very yeah. good message. And also I be humble my, about things. I mean, sorry yes. to interrupt, but I, I had a conversation with an employee this morning. She came to see me about something. I was a, I was a bit stressed about something else. So I, I was a bit curt with her. Then I called her back into my room and said, look, I'm so sorry I spoke to you in that way. I didn't mean to be curt. She said, you didn't really. I didn't, nothing happened. I, it was fine. And I said, look, just in case I came across in that way. But she said, no, I really appreciate it. Um, so always be very self-aware yeah. as well. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's so true. That's so true. Easily done, isn't it? Yeah. And it's, yeah. Especially when you're communicating via email, it's so yeah. easy to come across as curt or terse even, you know, in an email. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, I, I always read my I always read my emails, you know, um back before I send them. Mm. Because I, I just think, does that sound okay? Because sometimes you judge them and say, "Hi, have you done so and so?" You know, and then you think, "Well, oh, hang on a minute, hang on, let's go back and just say, hi, how, how's things going today?'" Blah, blah, you know, and and then just try and uh, make it soften the edges a little bit. Um, one of the things I'm going to take away today is is seeing how far we've come with sort of attitudes and unacceptable behaviour. That happened to you, Jay, back in, I think, you, uh, 2006, you said, yeah. uh, you know, I, you wouldn't get away with, with vicious words like that today. I'm, I'm sure of that. Mm-hmm. Um, 
but you know i think it's 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 really good to see that in now in 2022 we are more aware of being inclusive and mindful of others in the workplace well i think generally actually but um yeah so i i think that it's actually good to look back and think yeah that did happen then mm. but we have we have made strides you know big strides towards a better working environment um and and that gives me hope for all sorts of things equality you know all sorts of things yeah, i agree no i agree yeah it's um it's very different now i agree yeah okay so well as I say, we've come to the end of the podcast. So time to say thanks to Paul Cheese, our super sound hero, for our little jingle. Thank you, Paul. And Isla, are there any announcements before we go? Just to remind everybody, thank you so much for listening. You can find us on Twitter and Facebook at The Biz Diaries. And we love hearing your thoughts on the episode. So do give us your feedback. And if you're interested in podcasting, you might like an event that's coming up in May. The podcast show. Uh, It's a two-day event on the 25th and the 26th of May at the Design Centre in Islington. I think Lisa and I are both going to go to that, so we're going to have some good fun there. I'm looking forward to that. Um, Details can be found at their website, www.thepodcastshowlondon.com. Brilliant. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that one. Um, So finally, thanks go to you, the listener, for tuning in. We hope you enjoyed today's story and discussion, and we hope that you'll join us for the next one. Bye for now. Bye-bye. We hope you have enjoyed listening to this edition of The Business Diaries. We would love to hear your feedback. Please find us on Twitter and Facebook at The Biz Diaries. 